there we go. We're back for an upper epi- another episode. I think we're in episode 64 now of Friday Night Counter Attack. So we're recording so many episodes. This one will be fun though. Because um, I'm speaking to two fellow football coaches who I've spoken to previously on the podcast. But now because I am a football coach, I actually understand what they were saying the first time around as well. So um, just to introduce both of us, we've got Liam. Um, Liam before um, Chester FC previously at the time as a goalkeeping coach. And we've got Sam Homeshore, director of the Homeshore Academy. So, Liam, first of all, how are you doing? Are you okay? Good. Yeah, all good, mate. You? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good to see you again. And it's been a while because when I had you on the podcast the last time, I was like, you're officially the first Man City fan that I've met who I could talk to. And now I know like millions of them. So I'm, I'm just glad that you paved the way and it all just kind of broke the barriers of what a Man City fan is like um, going forward as well. And I do have to say as well, congratulations to Raheem Sterling. Um, I'm breaking the record on the weekend as well, because that was really, really well done and well-deserved for Raheem Sterling as well. Yeah, class. He gets a lot of abuse. Even from City fans, he gets a lot of abuse. He's not... Mm. People expect so much from him. It's mad. And the numbers he puts up for City and what he's done for City and England as well is mad. He deserves everything he gets. Yeah, we never got to really speak about that in the summer as well, about how he did so well for England, being the top goal scorer for England as well, turning up in the games where other attacking players weren't. And I'm still just there thinking, like, even the media, they're saying, bring Grealish in, take Sterling out. Like, it's the one making the difference in these games. So I was really happy to see Raheem Sterling getting his flowers at the end of the, the tournament and during the season as well. I think he's in the top 10 all-time scorers now for Man City. Yeah, top 10. And I think he's, like, his, champ- his Champions League record as well last night. I've got, I can't remember the top of my head now, but he's just beat Lampard on here or something. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's got- I think is I think is on on course to be the top English goal scorer in the Champions League history. I think as well. Yeah, he's second now, isn't he? Yeah, to Rooney, I think it is. So yeah, Waz, he- Waz has got to hold on to that for a bit longer. Yeah. No, he's he's great. Like he's, I think he's brilliant. Like, and last night he was incredible. That goal last night was just sums up his maybe last month. It's just been brilliant. But if he doesn't seem like he doesn't score or he doesn't take on his take on the fullback every time, they just turn on him. Everyone, yeah. not the City fans, that is, that's everyone. They just turn on him. Mad, yeah, they, don't get it. they love to complain. People love to complain. But um, yeah, even yesterday, I was at the Man United game, hence why my voice is really bad because I was celebrating a, a fantastic right. win against Brighton. Oh, so I, I'm just there, like, I've got to celebrate every win Man United have this season. So I, I don't care who we beat. I'm celebrating it's like a, like it's the last win of our, of our season. But I remember a couple of people messaging me, like, when you get home, watch Raheem Sterling's goal against Sporting Lisbon. I was like, I'm pretty sure it would have been a good goal. But no, it wasn't. It was a great goal. Really yeah. good goal for that as well. Um, but yeah, thanks for that little reintroduction, uh, Liam. And our second guest, like I mentioned before, we've got Samuel Homeshore as well. So Sam, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for educating me last summer as well on the world of coaching, the introduction to coaching. So how have you been? Have you been okay? Yeah, all good, mate. Uh, really good, to be fair. Nice, uh, nice, good period since we last spoke. We were just saying off air, just finished Masters. So got nothing to do now. So it's great to be uh, invited onto the podcast and good to see my, uh, my good pal, Liam Stonely as well, loving his moustache. Not sure what's going on with it like, but looks all right. But yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be back. Ah, it's good to have you on. It's good to have the dream team back from Ilkley Town as well, which is what we needed. Um, but no, it's, it's one of those things that I wanted to talk to fellow coaches about in a way. So this is a topic that I've been putting off for quite a while because I needed a bit of a variety of who was to kind of help me with this. And I thought, who better than, than Liam and, and Sam as well? So I thought it'd be great to have a chat about really the mentality of a, a modern day footballer and how it's changed over the years. And even going from like grassroots level um, to like acad- academy level, and then even to like the professional level as well, because the way I'm seeing it now um, from, from a coaching point of view, I'm seeing a lot of players that do want to play the game of football, but they don't have that, that burning desire to just be the best. And from when I was growing up as well, that's kind of my first impressions Like they'll do it. They'll enjoy scoring a couple of goals here and there, but, I'm not sure if there's been a change in mentality all the way to the top to a, a higher age group. So, Sam, do you want to just kind of just um, respond to that, see if there's anything that you could add to what I was just saying? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting point of view, and I'm sure Liam can probably tell you about players a bit higher up the level. But, hmm. I mean, one of the things we found frustrating when we were at Ilkley Town was it, it seemed to be uh, players, like, just choosing when to turn up. So when I was a kid at grassroots, I was a bang average player, uh, Division F player in Sheffield and District League, but you turned up to every session. Uh, when you went to the session, you generally worked hard and, and put in desire because you wanted to be there and you wanted to win, uh, regardless of how talented you were. And that was kind of my experiences growing up. 
Um, and to be fair, like my early days are sort of grassroots management as well. That's the sort of lads, you know, even at like under sevens, under 11s, that's sort of the same mentality. Uh, so when we were, we were at Oakley, you know, sort of this time last year, we, we just couldn't get our heads around that. It seemed to be a culture of uh, players coming when they wanted to come, uh, when they'd come. Sometimes it would be a mindset of sort of wanting to get into the team, that old cliche. Other times it'd be coming, they just want to have a social and just a chat. And, you know, that was really shocking to me and kind of really opened my eyes. But uh, even now at, at Kickabout, that's working with players that are, you know, on the way to being semi-pro, on the way to perhaps even making it professional. Um, you know, some of them young lads, and, and, you know, they are young lads doing that age of going through testosterone. So there is going to be that billy up and down as you'd expect. But uh, even then, sometimes the mentality is a little bit different to probably what it were for us three growing up. I'm sure maybe a little bit different to Liam in his old days, but um, it, it's definitely, definitely changed. And I think you've probably seen that a lot now when, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts about the pro game and, you know, I know you're a Man United fan, the, the stuff you hear about that dressing room, it, it's definitely changed. But, you know, I'd be interested to hear with Liam's thoughts on the, in the semi-pro level. Yeah, go on, Liam. Is, I think the I think the biggest problem is now is that it's such a young level, so a young standard. And when you're a kid and you're coming from an academy system, you're getting boot deals at like 15 years old. You're getting boot deals. You're getting sponsorships. You're getting loads of social media sort of attention, and you almost you're not even considering life without football. And then when you go through the scholarship, and then they make it or they don't, or they get released or whatnot, they have to then drop down into national league or non-league or something. And it's almost like they shouldn't be there, that they think they shouldn't be there. So they don't get that sort of, they don't have that drive. I shouldn't be here. I should be playing up further because I came from this academy or that. And I think that that's probably that side of things. But if you're at the pro at the top of your game, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, honestly don't know. It's an interesting subject, I suppose. Like, like Sam mentioned, the United dressing room, apparently that's a bit on its arse, but it's ju it's just because it's so full of egos and character characters nowadays that have got so much pull and so much power that they don't sometimes we we believe that sometimes they don't come across as much as, as desired as much as like we'd give our right arm to be a pro. Yeah. All of us. They've had it for so long and they've got so much power now that they know they can they can do what they want when they want because they know they have that power and they have that sort of pull against clubs and stuff. So it's probably both ends of the scales. Um, of, of kids getting everything early, not meeting the expectation, dropping down and that mentality change and then to the top where they thought, well, no one's going to do anything to me because I'm at the top of my game, at the top of the pyramid. So it's an interesting subject, mentality and the, and the mental side of the game because you can talk hours on it. Hours. Yeah, def definitely. And you kind of touched on what I wanted to talk about um, as well regarding this, the fact that I think a lot of young players get too much too soon and I think they peak too soon as well. Because I've seen a yeah. lot of players of, of, of the last five, six, seven years that I believe have played too much football and their peak has already happened. I feel that there's some players out there that we will never see hit the heights that we've seen previously as well. And I think it's just due to the fact that they have such a, like you said, Liam, they have such a big pool so early, so soon. They have a, a ridiculous team around them from a young age, a PR team, the agents, the family, um, yeah, the sponsorships as well. That will get them playing so early, consistently. And it feels like it's just detrimenting the team as well as the player at the same time as well. That's kind of what I've seen in terms of like, for a lot of these teams that don't have like proper, uh, strict, regimented managers in a way, not just Manchester United, but you'll see a lot of players like in terms of, I could use the example, I, I tend to use it a lot in the podcast, but you use the example of Deli Ali. Um, when Deli Ali was then separated from Maurizio Pochettino and then Jose Mourinho came in and it wasn't just Jose Mourinho, it was Conte and it was Nuno Espirito Santo as well in terms of the fact that Deli Ali had a manager who put his all into him. He made him the main man for quite a long time in that midfield. He made him the man that believed he could do anything and at some points he could do anything because he actually scored some amazing goals. He made some amazing runs and he, he was one of the, I think he was a player that scored twice against Chelsea in, in a home game when Antonio Conte was playing some of the best defensive football we'd seen in the league for a while. So he was the one that was, in a way, playing to Mauricio Pochettino's system. And I think he scored against them away when they broke when he broke their Spurs curse at Sanford Bridge as well. And you're just looking at it now, going on loan, no, going to Everton, and you're just there thinking he shouldn't have been at Everton. 
two, three years ago with the right management, with the right um, guidance in him, and even with the own mental ability of himself. He should have been playing, I would say personally, in the Champions League this week for a team that's in the Champions League. That's how highly I thought he could have gone. But I think he's just one of those players that kind of just stood still in a way. People are happy to stand still in this environment in modern day football, I think. What do you think, Liv? Yeah, no, I agree. Ali Della and Kate Don's on it. Yeah. He was like 17, 18, and he was tearing it up, centre midfielder. Hmm. You can't even think about playing him in centre midfield now. You couldn't, you ain't got the discipline for it. It's like, again, he got something so quick, the hype, that, that what we do to English young lads that have, have got potential, and we hype them up so much that they're only going to fail. Like they're only going to not meet that expectation. It's happened to Rashford, Deli Ali, and it'll happen, probably happen for them. The ceiling's a limit for them kids, and they just, it's just not happened. So it's mad. Like I said, they, they have so much power. They have so much thrown at them at once. Whether they want it or not, I don't know, but they have so much thrown at them at once that it's just, it would be too much to handle that and your performance on the pitch. Lee, um, Liam, I would just wanted to ask you about Phil Foden as well, because I think that's the other end of the spectrum. I think having such a disciplined manager like Pep Guardiola has actually helped him in his way because there is a time period. And I think Salem spoke to you this last time, Liam, when you were on the podcast about how he should have been playing earlier on in his career. But I think the man, the minutes that Pep Guardiola has managed for Phil Foden has been what I would consider as like an old-fashioned way of, of using it. You're not putting so much stress on the young man's shoulders. He's still, what, 21, 22 as well. And I think yeah. that's worked really well for him um, personally. Yeah. He was, he was, he, the, the um, discipline was there. They didn't rush him in it. He's, I think last night was his 150th game for City at 21, which is still quite a lot. Um, and it's just like a culture, that, that discipline, that's what's needed. You can't just throw someone in. I think Michael Owen's example, at 17, they threw him in, mm. played every week, week in, week out, England, Liverpool, and now he, he couldn't run by 24. He couldn't, mm. he, couldn't, he couldn't open up his legs and run because he knew he was going to pull something. And that's because of just game management and loading. Um, it's just not... It's a bit different now with sports scientists. We've got all sorts in the game now where things like that are prevented. Um, but I go back to the, the, the sort of discipline side, but I wonder, and I don't know this, I wonder how many academy kids clean boots for the pros. Do you know what I mean? Remember that used to be a thing? I think you could probably count that on your hand, Liam. I don't, I don't reckon it happens anymore. Hmm. I know when we were at Chester, the, young, the, younger, the young academy lads or the youngest would clear, get all the cones, get all the balls. And he collected everything as a sort of disciplinary thing. It's like a, an education forum. Yeah, it's a rite of passage in a way, isn't it? It's just it's what you, what they came through. You have to do it. It's just it's a culture. It's an education and it's a discipline. But I wonder in the pro game. I don't know. Probably League Two, League One. They probably do some something like that. But I don't think in the prem. I don't think anyone. Can you imagine being a seventeen-year-old up-and-coming star cleaning boots? I don't think it's a thing at all. I don't know, but. Again, it comes back down to the culture and education discipline. Did Deli Ali go through that? And that is, I don't, you know what I mean? You can all you can ask these questions. We don't actually know. We probably won't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, Foden was managed so well. Everything, everything, everything managed about his game and, and timings was perfect. I think from Guardiola. Yeah, it's the th- it's the thing when you've got a big squad and you can rely upon going through different players all the time. But unfortunately, um, Sam will agree with me on this. It's it's not the case for a lot of these players as well. Like at the time with Liverpool, Michael Owen was the star. You had Steven Gerrard in and out of the team at the time. So you could replace him with like Haman or um, Vladimir Smitsa if he was playing on the wing as well. But the fact that Michael Owen from 17 to 24, 25, when he got to Real Madrid, he was just shot. He was burnt out. And then he came back to Newcastle. And then you'll just say like, he'll score a goal every now and then. But it's kind of like you're looking at Ronaldo now. It's like he's looking at retiring after that 2006 World Cup. And ever since then, he just didn't really do much um, for me personally. But... Sam, can you think of anyone off the top of your head that's probably in that same kind of ilk as like Deli Ali, someone who's like given too much burden too soon? I think Deli Ali was the was, was the the lad I was thinking of just listening before you mentioned his name. Hmm. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you think about Deli Ali, I agree with what you said there. Um, you know, I mean, I've been thinking for the last three years, when's that lad going to shake his head and get back in the England squad, you know, what an unbelievable talent. Mm. But, you know, you think about Deli Ali, you look at someone, I know you were talking about Sterling before. I mean, he was massively overhyped at the time. And he's, to my opinion, actually lived to, to, to what he was hyped to be. So why has Sterling gone on and had, in my opinion, a, an absolutely outstanding career for City in England, who's maybe two, three years older than Ali, but Ali's got to 22 and just peaked and, and had enough as, or, you know, or, or it appears to be. So it, it's a really interesting uh, topic as discussed. And, um, 
you know, I was sort of laughing there as, as Liam won about, you know, cleaning the boots. I listen to a lot of podcasts with the pros, your, your Ferdinands, uh, you know, Owens, them sort of characters. And they always say, like, it doesn't happen anymore. You know, when you see these young lads getting all this money coming through, um, don't really know what to do with it. And in some respects, it's good that if they've come from a council estate, for example, not had a, a great upbringing, it's great that they get some money. And I see a lot of examples of players like buying the parents' cars and paying off debt and stuff, which is really good. But in the sense of past that, well, like you say, it's a hell of a lot of money. But uh, other examples, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's many. Uh, the, the lad I always think, on, who I know is a little bit older, who's Ravel Morrison. Uh, what a player he should have been. You yeah. know? And you look at him at Derby now and just ridiculous. And I know perhaps do a little bit uh, with attitude there, but... You know, there's, there must be so many. You know, I think about United, weren't they? That Cameron Borthwick-Jackson came yep. through at left-back under Van Gaal. I remember watching him and thinking he, he looks a good player. Uh, I mean, this, you know, James Wilson, he now at Salford, or just less Salford, and you're thinking a couple of these young lads, it's just a shame that they've they've never got there. Is that because they've gone off the rails? Uh, I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an interesting debate and, you know, I think I'd love to know why Sterling made it. Is it all because of Pep? I think that's a great point that you say about uh, Phil Folding. I remember at the time I was thinking, why is he not playing anymore? Should he not be playing anymore? He could get into the England squad if, if he was getting more. But actually, when you reflect back and think, actually, he's he's made him want to get into that team. And, you know, he still pulls them now, doesn't he? If they've, I mean, didn't they go out drinking? Liam will tell you, Folding and Grealish and very disciplined environment. So, um, yeah, interesting one. Interesting one. I'd, I'd be interested to know like how how much influence the managers have. Liam, I just wanted to ask you just to kind of conclude on this um, topic of conversation. From working in the semi-professional and professional environment, is there anything that we could kind of see a change in terms of like young players coming through? Do you reckon there could be anything that could help the younger players coming through now, the, the likes of like, I don't know, like Cole Palmer coming through into this Man City team or even someone like Elanga coming into this Man United team? in terms of keeping them hung, uh, hungry for professional football and not really more along the lines of, oh, yeah, I'm in the Man United team, I made it. Because Roy Keane has always said whenever he went into training, he went into training like it was his last training session ever. And the fact that he never went in with the mentality of thinking, oh, I've made it as a professional footballer because I'm the captain of Manchester United. But with, with some of these players, you can see from the way that they act um, on the pitch, the way that they are on social media, in interviews as well, with their boot deals and everything, it, it looks like they're they're happy and they're content with what they're actually doing. But do you reckon there could be anything that could be implemented from a semi-professional point of view, a professional point of view, Liam? Uh, I think a dressing room needs leaders for young lads coming up. Yeah. I think, and you and United's a prime example of this, they don't have a leader. They don't have anyone in that dressing room that's going to grab someone by the scruff of the neck and say, you need to do this, otherwise you're not going to make it. You've got, instead, you've got Pogba and like Jesse Lingard dancing. That's all you got. You haven't got leaders. Man City got Cole, uh, um, Cole Palmer, Phil Foden and Liam Dolap coming through. But you've got Fernandinho in there. You've got Kevin De Bruyne in there. Big leaders, big characters. I think Liverpool have Jordan Henderson, Van Dijk. You have to have them leaders because if the young lads come through, and they, imagine imagine being 16, you can call to the first United, you walk in, you're nervous and you think it's going to be intense and you walk in, you see Pogba dancing in an environment. Don't get me wrong, be you, have fun, but you know what I mean? Train, training. And that's not, you need someone in the dressing room. I think it's, it's vital to have someone, non-league, professional, semi-pro, you need to have a leader or you need a, couple, a, a core group of um, experienced pros that will that can that can organise dressing room discipline-wise and also make sure it's the, it's being run properly. It's really important. It's really underrated how that that's, should be vital for any management to set a team, a group of players to start a season. Have we got any vets? Have we got any experienced pros in here? All right, they might not play week in, week out, but we need them heads in this dressing room. Yeah, because there was a period of time, I think it was on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where Lingard, Pogba, Matic, Mata and De Gea, they were the oldest players that we had in our squad and in our first day team as well. So it just goes to show that when you're walking through and Harry Maguire becomes your new captain as well, you're looking at him posting his stats after every game on his Instagram and you're just there like you had a terrible performance, but you're still posting your stats. So it's showing that the younger players are looking at it thinking, oh yeah, it's okay to do that. It's okay to look at backing yourself up with stats and from... Uh, other agency things that are provided as well so I can understand that completely just having simple leaders because you could be a leader on a five side pitch or you could be a leader in front of 80,000 people in the stadium as well a leader is a leader and you'll, you'll want to follow him to the end or her to the end of end of the game really and that's something that I think 
a lot of teams are missing, especially Man United are missing at this moment in time. Um, yeah, I think you've not had that since Fergie. I think once Fergie's left and, they, and that core played Rooney left and Ferdinand left and Gary Neville left, that you just never replaced that sort of mentality, I don't think. And I think that was, I think that's really, really important to have as a group of players. One or two, maybe three. More the better, but at least two, a couple of them, for sure. Yeah, because we we got rid of like two, three of them in the same season. Ferdinand Village ever in the same season, the same yeah. summer. And then it was just Rooney and Carrick. Then uh, Rooney left, then Carrick left. And then you're just there like, okay, so we have no more experience. And the experience that we have were like the players that just like won the Europa League or won an FA Cup. And you're just there like, that's not good enough for a Manchester United team. And you could see that happening with Arsenal. You could kind of see that happening with Liverpool before they came under the resurgence of Jurgen Klopp as well. So it was the fact that slowly but surely it takes time. But yeah, um, unfortunately, natural leaders are hard to come by in this day and age in football, especially in Premier League football as well. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but yeah, we're going from Premier League to Champions League because we're back with the Champions League um, this week as well. Um, Liam had the, probably had the pleasure of watching Man City batter Sporting Lisbon yesterday as well. So um, I just wanted to talk a bit more about your probably your top five, your top six players that you've had recently in the Champions League, who you've admired this season, who you think done really well in the in the Champions League, and realistically, who do you think's got it in them to actually win the Champions League this season as well? Go on, Sam. You can start us off. Have you got like a six aside that you prepared for a uh, for our group stages that we've had this season in the Champions League? Oh, what a question. Um, I'll, I'll name you one, and, and I'm not just saying this because uh, big city fans on, but I tell you who's just completely surprised me is Bernardo Silva. Just wasn't he on the verge of potentially going if Kane was going to come in? Uh, I'm sure Pep come out and did a Pep uh, a prep conference, a prep conference. Can't get me words out. I'm gone. Press conference, mm. um, and I'm sure he didn't he could turn around and say, "Oh, we don't want any people who are unhappy here." And yeah. I remember thinking, "Oh, he's gone, that lad." And uh, what a player! You know, I thought he was a good player, but for me now, he's just ridiculous. I mean, he can play him in the front three, he can play him in the the midfield three. Uh, out of possession, his stats are just ridiculous, aren't they? I caught the highlights last night. Um, I mean, for me, you're talking about leaders and is, is he, a, you know, someone you associate with a leader? But actually, if you watch him perform, um, that's someone who leads on the pitch, probably doesn't talk a lot. Uh, but for me, he's definitely someone I would have as, uh, as my first pick. I don't know if uh, maybe I'll throw it back to Liam for the second pick. Yeah, I agree with Bernardo, though. Dead underrated. Don't get the, don't get the applause. And to be fair, he's been, always been consistent. It's just people are now starting to see it like... No one will run more than Bernardo. You'll see everything he does on the pitch with the, the foot the technique and the way he dribbles and the way he hits the ball and stuff. The goal last night, incredible at volley. But no one understands that he will run more than anyone on that pitch every single game, home and away, he'll do it. So I think that's a fair shout, Sam. Like I said, most people just, just turn a blind eye to him and just see the nice things that he does. But yeah, he's definitely a leader on the field. Second pick. Are we just going any position here, Hamza, or are we just are we picking a team? We're picking the team of six, so we all get two picks each. So you can right, pick whatever right. you want. Sam's gone midfield. Okay, let me think. Uh, it's tough, this one, isn't it? I was, saying, I, was, I was struggling. That's why I threw it back yeah. to <laughs> uh, Liam's just being humble and is trying not to pick a Man City player. Yeah, well, I could easily pick a Man City team, obviously, but I'm trying not to. I'm trying to think elsewhere. Uh, obviously, Mo Salah. That's easy, isn't it? And put Mohamed Salah in. He's in for a big game tonight um, against Inter Milan as well. I think he's back I was in gonna, the team as I well. was going to go Edin Dzeko, you know, but I knew if I said Edin Dzeko, you both would have been like, oh, ex-City player, so I'm not going to Edin Dzeko. I wouldn't have, to be fair, because on I think it was last week I was talking about Edin Dzeko, about how he's been so, so underrated as a top-class striker over these years, especially when he left Manchester City as well. When he left, uh, I think when Pellegrini was the manager last when he, had, when he was there, or Mancini, he left, yeah. and you're just there kind of thinking like, he did really well at Roma. He's doing really well uh, for Inter Milan, getting them into the next stage of the of the Champions League as well. And the fact that he was a direct replacement for Romelu Lukaku, I'd happily back uh, Edin Dzeko. But who are you going to go for, Dzeko, or are you going to go for Mohamed Salah? Yeah. Salah probably, Salah's probably the best in the world at the minute. That's okay. Um, who am I going to go for? I could go for you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll be. I've got loads of attacking players on on my kind of thought process. Uh, Liam knows that I don't really go for a goalkeeper, Sam, so we may leave a goalkeeper out unless you want to pick a, a solid one that we've had. Um, I'll go for the obvious choice of putting Cristiano Ronaldo in because realistically speaking, Manchester United would be out of the Champions League without him. I've had the pleasure of going to a couple of the games as well 
at home. Uh, that last-minute goal against Villarreal, the comeback against Atalanta, home and away, to secure the draw as well. And I've said recently as well the fact that a lot of Manchester United fans are turning on him when he's not scoring. And I'm just there thinking a lot of these Manchester United fans are quite fickle, to be fair. The fact that you're looking at him, looking at his... Yeah, I've never seen Ronaldo look lost for confidence than I did against Southampton, than I did against Burnley, than I, than I saw against Middlesbrough, even against Wolves at the beginning of January as well. Because no one's passing it through to him. He's making all these runs. No one can play it forward. No one passes it first time or second time. But in the Champions League, when there's a bit more space, there's another step or two to take. That's when people are making these quicker passes. And that's what's really worked for him, scoring these goals and having a great tournament so far. And um, is against Atletico Madrid next week as well. So that'll be quite good to see if he can if he can stick it to Simeone one more time as well. But it's going to be a tough ask with the way Manchester United are playing at the moment. So we've got Bernardo Silva, we've got Mohamed Salah, we've got Cristiano Ronaldo. So we've got one pick each. Who are we going to for, Sam? Uh, well, I, I thought I'd take the uh, the role of picking a goalkeeper. Um, I think the obvious choice would be go, to go for the City lad or the, uh, the Liverpool lad, who obviously we know of smashed it for the last couple of years. But I, I think Mendy at Chelsea um, is, is just ridiculous. And I say that more so from where he's come from. I think he was an amateur footballer four or five years ago. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you watched the AFCON. Uh, I caught a bit of it with Senegal and just thought he's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, uh, I loved it. I love AFCON. Uh, there you go. Still, uh, still, you know, I'm sure there's still a lot more to come from him. I think he's 29, isn't he? Mm. Uh, but I, I just think he is such a... You know, is he praised enough? I'm sure he probably is by Chelsea fans, but um, I, I think he's a, a top, top keeper. Uh, got the experience, obviously, winning the Champions League last year. Just won the AFCON, uh, you know, and I actually think the uh, the other lad at Chelsea who they paid £75 million for, forget his name, Kepper, yeah. uh, obviously had a bit of a, a spell anyway, wasn't doing too well, but still a very good keeper. Um, and if you're keeping the £75 million, keeper on the bench I know Kepa probably isn't worth that but uh, I think that says a lot about him and I quite like his mentality so I'm, I'm going to go for Mendy Mendy at Chelsea as the goalkeeper Brilliant Liam before I get to you for your shout I just wanted to ask you who's been better at Chelsea Thibaut Courtois who's done really well for Real Madrid this season as well even yesterday saving that penalty against Messi or yeah. Mendy so they've probably had like I think Courtois had like three years at Chelsea in the first team yeah, Mendy's sure. on his second but who do you think's kind of had a bigger impact for Chelsea Mendy. Mendy. Mendy has, yeah. I think when Courtois was there, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I can't quite remember. I remember him being on loan for like what, five years at Madrid or whatever. And he like came most, back. Like most of their youngsters, isn't it? Like, and yeah, and, he, and as well now. he knocked out Czech at the first team, didn't he? Yeah. And then he was there for a bit. But forgive me, but I can't quite remember them years at Chelsea. They don't stand out. It's obviously irrelevant now for me to speak about Mendy because it's now. Hmm. But in my mind, I can't, I can't feel that. I can't remember that impact he had. Yeah. Whereas I will remember the Mendy impact because yeah, they I were think, solid. Yeah, you think of Courtois. I always kind of think he was perhaps a little bit overhyped as well. I remember at the time being a bit surprised actually when Jose picked him over Czech. Yeah. Uh, and that's oh, one of the world's best keepers, don't get me wrong. But I think Liam's right. Was the impact as much as Mendy? Um, for Do me, you reckon Mendy, it was more on the defence that they had? The likes of Terry, Azpilicueta... Um, Gary Cahill, the experienced defence was there compared to the defence they've got with Thiago Silva, Rudiger, who's still got a mistake in him, to be fair, and a, and a system which, which really suits defensive football because Courtois won, I think, two league titles, one under Mourinho, one under Conte. Mendy's won the Champions League and the Club World Cup and is looking like they're going to go through uh, in the FA Cup and they're in the League Cup final as well. So they're getting further in tournaments with, with Mendy at the back, I think, as well. Yeah, I just think, I just think, I think he's comfortable. When you, when you look at Mendy and go, you, you think he's comfortable. With yeah. Courtois, you, you've never, I've never, ever been like solid, like 100% solid. But when I look at Mendy, it's, I, I feel like solid. If someone goes 1v1 with Mendy or someone has a, 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 like an open, like an half chance, I just yeah. I feel safe that he's going to pr- probably save, do something with it. With Courtois, I've never had that with him. I always, always, yeah, I always feel Courtois had a little bit of a mistake in him as well. Bit yeah. of a liability. Yeah, and I think the thing with Courtois is, was I mean, you could say was he as noticed as much because Czech, Czech to Courtois, you know, I suppose if you're going from Kepa to uh, Mendy, as, you know, there's obviously a little bit of a, a difference in quality there. So maybe it's a bit more noticeable, your point with the defence as well. Uh, but I always just felt Courtois was just a little bit too arrogant. 
Yeah. Um, you know, trying to force away to Madrid. Actually, if he'd have stayed, he'd have probably won the Champions League. And you know what I mean? Whereas Mendy just looks a very humble guy. And you're talking about mentality. I, I'd want him in, I'd have him over Courtois any day, to be honest. Perfect example of mentality that, that his pedigree, what, where he's come from to get to where he has. And you can see it at the top. You can see where he's come from and it's, and it's, and it's working in his favour now because he wants everything. Because he knows he's, he's going to have a shorter career at the top than anyone else because of the humble beginnings he had as a pro. He got released, signed, not signed, whatever. And you can see that's a perfect example of that mentality we were talking about before. I think we're going for a clean sweep of Ed, Edouard Mendy then. In golf. I think so. <laughs> nice little debate right there as well. Um, so we've got Mendy, you've got Bernardo Silva, Silva Mohamed Salah. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo so Liam you've got your final pick for our six aside who are you going for yeah we need two defenders don't we so let's go do we could we throw in another give away we won I'll let you pick... we could if we want there's been a lot of good attackers defence has the defence has been pretty good as well but you've got Bernardo defense... Silver in you're alright aren't you yeah, you can play at the yeah, back you can... <laughs> uh... hard work at the back oh man Trying to think because it's like the first week of like Champions League, but it's feel like an age since I've last seen anything. Yeah. Um, Rodri. I know he's a City player, but riding with Rodri. Going for Rodri in, in that centre defensive mid. So you, we'll, we'll stick with Rodri and Bernardo Silva at the back as well, then. But uh, what's kind of done Rodri better this season than what he did last season? Because I've noticed a big difference with him, especially in. European games as well. I think it's the fact that he's kind... You know when... What I really like about Pep Guardiola's teams is he'll buy a player, then he'll let them settle in for an entire year. Everyone online will call them a flop. Jao Cancelo, flop. Gabriel Jesus, flop. Jack Grealish, flop. The second season when they settle in, that's when they become the monster on the Pep, uh, Pep Guardiola that everyone then just fears. Bernardo Silva was another one of them because he started as a right-winger um, when he came into the team when like he was behind Sane and Sterling at the time. So you're just there kind of thinking like he can only get be- bigger, better and even better. Like his, his passing is ridiculous and he even chips in with goals nowadays as well. And again, with the mentality, you see that story all the time online about how, you know, he's still a student. He still drives like a Vauxhall Corsa, that type of thing as well. Am I right in saying that, Liam? Is that Yeah, yeah. yeah. He lived in, when he was at Madrid, he lived in student digs when he was at uni. Because he did like a business degree, I think. Yeah. Whilst he was whilst he was playing for Atletico Madrid, mad. And yeah, he doesn't have social media. He's not flashy. He's, he's, he drives a, a very humble car. I can't think what it is. I think it is like a mini or something. Mm. Um, yeah, again, like mentality again, humble. Just it's just different breeds. But performance wise, you're right. Guardiola is this thing, and it's always been a thing since he came in. I remember Sané's second year was unbelievable, but his first year was a bit. But he was young. Yeah. Ricardo, unbelievable now. First year, it was all right. Casello, I I wrote I wrote Casello off myself. I didn't I didn't think we'd get anything out of him. I, I like like what's happened now. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a thing with Guardiola. He he sort of he times everything perfect. He doesn't rush anything. Yeah, everything. With Rodri, I think Rodri's probably second name on the team sheet, third name on the team sheet. City, unbelievable what he does. No, don't get me wrong, he's not better than Busquets, but he is that Busquets player. Yeah, but you'll do the whole dirty work, but then once he gives the boys one touch out, one touch out, and that's massive. Moving that ball quickly in transition, he's so unsung. And uh, we've uh, there's been players like him before in the game in the game where we've never really appreciated, like Gareth Barry, Michael Carrick, two of the, best, one of the most underrated midfielders I've ever seen them two, and they did everything. They did an eight out of ten every game, if not more. Never every game, and Rogers the same. Rogers that's that type of player does everything right, and just really get noticed that well. Every team needs a Rodri. Every team needs a Gareth Barry. Every team needs a Michael Carrick right there as well. <laughs> now, this, this is why I like talking to you, Liam, because it's like, it's like you're, look, you're looking at the players that don't get appreciated for the glitz and the glamour that they bring, but they bring the, the proper mentality onto the pitch. They work for the team and a team performance is always better than an individual performance, mostly, I would say, as well. Um, it's just one of those things that you, you love to see in a player. He will give everything for the team. Sometimes he doesn't even need to leave third gear. Rodri, the way that you watch him play. And, um, I didn't even watch the game yesterday. I don't know if he started or, or how well he played, but for them to what, win 5-0, and it was a clean sheet for Man City as well, away from home, he's got to have done something right if he was starting in that game as well. Was he starting, Lee? Did he play? I, don't, I don't think he was. 
Is it Fernandinho? Fernandinho. Yeah. But I, what came was I'm going to say Verratti. Yeah. And the only reason why I didn't say Verratti and Rodri is just because I'm biased. We expect that to be fair. We we knew that he'd bring. Uh, I'll be honest. If you said Cancelo, it would have been cool as well. I wouldn't mind if you had Cancelo <laughs> on the team as well. Yeah, he's changing the weight inverted fullbacks are working as well. I would say to be fair to you, Liam, like you, are you being that biased though? Because they are just ridiculous, aren't they? At the minute, I mean, yeah. if they don't win the Champions League for me, it is criminal. Big favourites last year. You know, I, I I I want them to win it. Like I I just think the how he manages that team. Uh, the players they've got, I, I know I'm Zee, I'm laughing there, but I, I I really want them to win it, I hope they do, and I think I'm a little bit surprised you didn't go for uh, the lad who plays centre-half, I can't quite remember his name, came from Benfica. Yeah, 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 I'm a little bit surprised you didn't mention him. I was going to go at a defender, but when I mentioned the defender, Hamza was like, no, nah, not defender, let's go attack. So I changed it a little bit to a bit more of a midfielder defensive, just to, just to appease... Hamza's crave for attacking football. I mean, we've got we've got a goalkeeper. We've got two defensive-minded <laughs> players on that side pitch. So, in a way, I did set you up, Liam. I can't even lie because I, I wanted that last choice of an of an attacker in the team. So, I've oh, got okay. the, I've got the choice of choosing Sebastian Haller, who scored what ten goals for Ajax already. I've got the choice of uh, Christian Nkuku for RB Leipzig, who yeah. up the group stages in a really fun way. But I don't think um, they qualified, did they, Leipzig? I think they finished third in your group. So yeah. I don't think I can pick him because he didn't. Unfortunately, his team never qualified. I was thinking of Militao, the centre back for Real Madrid. I think he's had a really good tournament, settled in really well at um, Real Madrid. I think it is his second season as well, which is good um, yeah. for him to see as well. But I think I'm split between. It's definitely an Ajax player because I've I've enjoyed watching Ajax play this this year. Eric Ten Hag's team has been fantastic. Sebastian Heller with the ten goals. Anthony as well, their right wing has been fantastic. Uh, a throwback winger, I would say. Someone who actually enjoys dribbling, who can take players on inside and out. Uh, I think they played Salzburg, Lille, and uh, I think it's Besiktas in their groups as well. They just obliterated them, 18 points in the tournament. So um, I'm going to leave it to both of you to decide. Haller or Anthony? Liam, who are you going for? Off the cuff, who are you going for? Haller or Anthony to join this team? Um, Haller. Because I think Hala's journey as well from West Ham being the second choice striker, not settling into uh, the David Moyes system as well, going over to Ajax. And everyone's saying, oh, yeah, the Dutch league is easier. But he's doing it in the Champions League, for goodness sake, as well. Top goal score already this season. Sam, who are you going for? Anthony yeah, or, or Hala? Yeah, for me, Hala as well. To be honest, I was a little bit disappointed when uh, he left West Ham. Didn't they sell him for like 20 million cheaper? Because I remember yeah. watching him. I used to watch a lot of Bundesliga. I remember watching him for Frankfurt, was it? Him and uh, yeah. Real Madrid, can't remember his name. The uh, Jovic. Yeah, what a partnership they had. So I was a little bit disappointed, to be fair, when West Ham got rid of him. Thought they're going to regret that. And I think you're seeing that now, and, you know, under the right system. Could say right manager as well. Um, he's, he's doing really well. And I can't say it's a surprise, to be honest, if from watching him in, in the Bundesliga. So, uh, yeah, agreed. Hello, it is. I think we've got a solid team right there with all of us. And it's a good a good joint effort. So in goal, we've got uh, Mendy from Chelsea. Then I'd say we've got Bernardo Silva and Rodri holding it in the middle of the park. Cristiano Ronaldo, I'd probably put him on the left. Mo Salah on the right coming in as well. And up front, we've got Sebastian Heller from our six-a-side group stage tournament. Yeah, six-a-side group stage team, which is fantastic yeah. as well. Well done, everyone. That was great. But... Um, here's the tough question for us both, Sam and I. Who's actually going to win the Champions League? Because I think City are big favourites. I think Bayern Munich, they've still got something about them. They always do in the tournament when they when they come about to the group uh, knockout stages. But Sam, we'll go with you first. Who do you think is going to win the Champions League this, this season? Yeah, I, I do think it will be City. Um, surely Pep has got past this overthinking it. Yeah. Business, you know, done it in two semifinals, Liam, three semifinals, final last year. Uh, you know, uh, that's the only way they don't win it for me. If you know, he, he puts Bernardo Silva in CDM, for example, just some off the cusp. He could uh, probably play there to be fair, yeah, well, he, he probably could, but you know, I, I, I hope they win it as well because I just think, as a coach, sort of seeing his football, I take a lot of influence from Pep to be fair, the, mm. sort of the concepts he's brought in. Um, and I just I, I love to hear like how disciplined they are, and you know, didn't he come out last night, Liam? And, you know, we could have been better in possession. Brilliant. Yeah. Never, in, 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 yeah. 
And every fan's going, aren't they? Oh, what's he on about? I'm at 5 0 as a coach, you're thinking. But that's that's what you, you, I'd be saying, you know what I mean? So I, I hope it's them. If it's not City, uh, oof, you know, who's it going to be? Hopefully not Liverpool. God, uh, not Liverpool. I, not, think they, I think they'll get semi finals, though. Yeah. They'll get semi finals. Bayern, you know, not really a massive fan of Bayern, if I'm honest. I think they've. Mm, why not? Uh, I just get bored of, you know, you're in a league where you're winning every season. But in the Champions League, though, Sam, with Lewandowski and um, yeah, Miller don't still be wrong. they're a good, they're a good side. But I always, I like to see new teams come and win it. You know, they've they've won it, haven't they? Two years back, uh, PSG, I think, have been floated around. There's absolutely no way for me they win it. They uh, just, you know, it, I, I could manage that now. You know, you could manage it. Liam could manage it. I, I don't. The players don't seem to take any of Poch's influence. I think that game against City, Liam, when you're just seeing them, the front three walking back, is just ridiculous. That was embarrassing. Absolutely. I found that embarrassing. So there's absolutely no way for me they win it. Um, so hopefully it's City. If it's not City, I think it's one of Liverpool, Bayern Munich, maybe Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea are, are what they were last year. I think that Lukaku situation's uh, killed them a bit, to be honest. But yeah, hopefully City. I know you won't want to hear that, but I'd like to see City win it. Imagine Lukaku's the difference in them not winning it as well because they just had a solid front three up front with the flexibility that they had up front as well and Lukaku's just not doing it for them as well. And they just want to go back to Inter Milan. We haven't spoken about that on the podcast, but I don't really want to talk about Lukaku really. Liam, do you reckon Man City will finally do it this year? Um, you'd like to think so. Like I said, they are favourites, but like I said, that Pep Guardiola overthinking thing is mad. Mm. Last year, he didn't do it once in the Champions League. He got to the final against Chelsea. We were going to batter him. Yeah. And then that one game, he overthought it. There's only twice in all, all... Sorry, before that game, once, he didn't play Fernandinho or Rodri. All 47 games, 48 games, we only did that once. And I think yeah. we lost. And he did it in the Champions League final. Put Gundogan in the six. Mm. Criminal. I don't know why he does it. it I just stick to what you what we what we've done all season. But is it, yeah, he did that. What against Leon a couple of seasons ago in the Champions League, he tried something crazy. It didn't work. He's done it previously in an FA Cup tie as well. Didn't work, and it's just the way that you play all season long is just it strikes the fear of God in you in a way when you're thinking about it. You're literally there watching like, like I remember one time. Um, I think it was the season actually, Liam. I, had, I booked uh, the day off to watch Man United versus Man City from work and I had tickets to go. Uh, but the person I was going with couldn't make it. So I was like, okay, cool. So I just returned it. So I went for the day off. But instead of going to watch Man United, I just went to London with, with my cousins. And I'm just there at the restaurant having lunch. I'm like, I'm not even going to watch the game. Uh, we had it on our phone. We were 2-0 down within God knows how long. And I'm just there like, it's just embarrassing because the football that you were playing at Old Trafford and the way that you played at Anfield earlier this season as well, just taking players off the park left right and center it's unfortunately for a man united point of view it's not great as objective point of view it's phenomenal yeah it is, it is isn't it sam you got you yeah. kind of have to agree with me in the way you have to eat yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that you're just there like if you don't say it the way that it is you'll just lose your credibility and i oh, can't do that 100 no, i know those feelings as a sheffield wednesday fan when united were somehow got seventh the mm. Premier League two seasons back, so I've had all that. But yeah, um, yeah. Why does he overthink it? I don't know. It's maybe a coach. You, how can you criticise him? But uh, oh, yeah. I just remember thinking last year, like they're so used to Gundogan when he's playing uh, higher up, and then suddenly he's dropped there. It just knocks things around, doesn't it? Yeah, can't be good for the team dynamic going into a final. That it might, you know, who might question, obviously. But um, yeah. No, I, I hope they win it. I'll, I'll be heading over to Liam's for final. Hopefully, he'll have a couple of crates of Stella ready for us. And, uh, you know. And I'll just You'll be here, like, yeah, we'll be we there on your podcast thinking, oh, I'm going to. Remember <laughs> when we predicted this back in February? Yeah. Bring the, bring the clip out, Hamza. We predicted this back in the day. I'm like, yeah, don't worry. I got you with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think personally, Manchester City, I think Liverpool will do very well this tournament. Like I said, semi final as well. I'd like to think there's going to be a dark horse somewhere in Ajax. You always want to be that that football romantic of the class of like 2013 when Dortmund came through, the class of 2016 when Monaco did really well uh, a couple of seasons ago, watching Ajax as well get to the semi-finals. When I thought personally they could have, they they really should have done that against Spurs and got to the final with the team that they had. Um, their players all ended up leaving: Delit, Van der Beek, 
Tadic is still there doing fantastic and I think he's underrated as a baller and in the Premier in the Premier League in the Bundes and Bundesliga where he played in the Eredivisie and in the Champions League as well. So um yeah, Man United I think we'll get quarterfinals like we always do. We'll beat Atletico, we'll we'll play someone like a Man City, a Real Madrid perhaps, and then just get knocked out and then that'll be it. Um but yeah, that's so. just I don't hope so. I hope I'm there in May celebrating with my non-alcoholic drinks. Got some water. <laughs> uh, needs to be fun. Needs to, yeah, it's always fun. I'll, I'll, I'll treat myself to like a Fanta every now and then, get high on the sugar. <laughs> that's, that's how it is for us non, non-drinking <laughs> folk. I don't drink even, mate. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> the, the craze will just be for Sam when you're there as well. So that, that's the that's the case. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you what, Abzi, me and uh, me, Liam, and my my brother and my daddy, from we had some good times, didn't we? After Oakley matches, yeah, okay. hey. yeah. yeah, he'll have to get you to tell him some of the stories. You got some good stories, that lad. If you ever get managed to speak to Sam's dad, you get him on a podcast. Absolute yeah. comedy gold. <laughs> I'm not joking. The things he comes out with are absolutely belters. He's had me. He's had me crying at tables and all sorts. Proper <laughs> funny man. Proper I, don't, funny I man. don't think my shoulders and my chest are ready for for Mr. Homeshaw. That would be crazy. <laughs> Honest to God, it'll be. I'll tell you what, mate. This thing will fly off. <laughs> the content you'll get. The views. Oh, mate! You know you don't even know. It'll be crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> nah, Sam, you got to hook us up now. The suspense is there now. Nicely done, Liam. Um, yeah. yeah, just before we wrap up the podcast, I just wanted to get a quick fire round of the Premier League for this weekend as well. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just name the fixture. I'll just go, uh, I'll ask one of you, who do you think is going to win? You just say win, lose or draw for this team. Just finish off the podcast like that. So Sam, we'll go first with you. West Ham are at home to Newcastle on Saturday. Who's, who are you going to go for, West Ham or Newcastle? Uh, hopefully West Ham. West Ham for the win for that. I think, yeah. Liam, we're going to go for Arsenal versus Brentford, three o'clock on Saturday. Draw. Draw. I can see a draw. Brentford are coming back into, into things and Ericsson back in the, in football as well. That's great to see as well. Yeah. Aston Villa versus Watford. I'll go for this one. I think Aston Villa will beat Watford easily. There's nothing really to discuss there with Ranieri leaving and everything like that as well. Sam, you've got the glamorous picture of Brighton versus Burnley. Oh, Brighton all day. Brighton played some good football. Ridiculous. Team. Love Graham Potter. What a man. Yeah. What an underrated coach he is, by the way. Oh, my days. He's so good. Well, by the way. I'm so, really glad. I'm yeah. really glad he didn't go to Everton. There was links with him to the Everton oh. job. I like, just thank God he didn't go. Yeah. All they're, yeah. all they're missing is a quality striker and they're going they're going places, Brighton, I swear. Graham Potter's going to the top. He'll probably be in the manager one day. He'll probably go to the big club. He's, he's, didn't he, he follow the same sort of path as you, Sam, honey? Yeah, he's well. He's an ex-pro, anybody. He, he, ten years ago, sorry, that's the dogs barking. He was uh, he was managing one of the teams at Beckett, one of the university teams. It's mm. Mad, isn't it? Ten years, gone through Sweden, and then now he's Brighton. Just brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree. He'll go at top. I hope he's England manager as well. I'm sure mm. he'll probably take over after Gareth. Hopefully, if we've won a World Cup at some point. Yeah, I feel like he could be the one yeah. to actually bring us the World Cup. The, the the football that he plays as well, the the confidence he puts into the players as well. Really he'd be perfect. Good. He'd be perfect with them bunch of young lads. He'd be perfect for them in every Definitely. way. He gets so much out of the attacking players as well because the attacking players they have at Brighton, with no disrespect, um, they are good players, but they're not world beaters and they're not looking like they're moving on to bigger clubs anytime soon. So he's actually getting the best out of a lot of these players as well, which is yeah. fantastic as well. Um, Liam, Crystal Palace versus Chelsea. 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 Liverpool versus Norwich. I'll guess that Liverpool should be easy. Um, Southampton versus Everton. Sam. Ooh. Tough one, that. Ooh, that is Hassan Hurtle versus Lampard. That is tough. Ooh. I'm going to go draw. I, I draw. think that'll be a draw. I do like Ralph Hassan. It was a decent coach. I like the way he plays football. Liam, I've saved this one for you. Man City versus Tottenham, 5.30 Saturday night. It'll be 5 nil City. Look at his face. Yeah. Conte versus, Conte versus Pep. Pep's just going to obliterate even Conte is not himself these days, unfortunately. You, just, you can just see him just... He's not himself. He doesn't have a passion to manage Spurs as well. It's not... No, I, Tottenham horrible. 5-0, 6-0, more. 10. Let's go to 10. Oh, my God, 10. The first time ever. Do you remember that time when Tottenham beat Wigan 9-1? <laughs> yeah. If only scored five. Has someone from Man City scored five yet under Pep Guardiola, Liam? Uh, or does he just sub them off after they get like two Aguero. Aguero did against Newcastle. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? 
Was it in the Centurion season? Or was it Leicester? Was that for Leicester or Newcastle? Yeah, yeah, it was that season, yeah. Mm. Was that under Pep or was that under uh, Pellegrini? Or did he do it twice? He might have done it twice. You could have done oh, it twice. I don't know. I've been a Man City fan. Anyway. He's done it twice. <laughs> All we yeah. have is Berbatov against Blackburn once upon a time, oh, which is the case. Um, Leeds versus Man United. Sam, I'll give this one to you, being being a Leeds residential. What are you going to go for? Uh, oof. Well, I'm not really a Leeds fan as a Wednesday fan, uh, but I do like Leeds how they play. Um, I think that Man United aren't doing well, are they? but I still think they beat Leeds. they you know, the leads are like pinball, aren't they? I think someone described them. They'll, they'll be too open. Man United yeah. should, uh, should win that one for me. 2-0, I guess. Should be a good game. Yeah, we beat them 5-1 early in the season as well. So <laughs> hopefully if they don't learn their lesson, we can just get through them as well, which would be good. Liam, final one for you. Wolves versus Leicester. Wolves are playing at home on Sunday at 4.30. Wolves. I really like how Wolves are playing. Wolves are playing how I expected Leicester to be playing. And yeah. Brendan Rodgers has gone that way and Bruno Lage has gone that way. That Jose Sarr is unbelievable goalkeeper. Got him nothing as well. Great Liam, keeper. Liam, yeah, you're, a goal, got... you're a goalkeeping coach, Liam. You have to explain to me in technical and in layman terms what's really good about Jose Sarr's saving, especially with his opposite hand as well. Do you notice that as well? I've not noticed, no. We'll see. So basically how he's saving it, the fact that a lot of goalkeepers, they'll have their... Keep their it's... I think the best way is I'll send you like a clip of Jose Sarr because he's so good at the way that he saves the ball as well. Um, his shot stopping is really good. And the fact that they replaced Rui Patricio as well, it's really good to see how... Um, I think it was, a, it was a... What was it? Six, seven million I think they spent on him? Yeah, it was nothing. Nothing. I'm glad they got Rui Patricio to be fair. Do you know why? I didn't like Rui Patricio. He won number 11. Yeah. That bugged, that bugged me, that did. It's like a winner's fair, number. It was for... Uh, didn't... One of the former keepers have cancer or something. Oh, that's why they did it. Uh, oh. See, now I feel like minute. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, they're on Wolves. That Bruno uh, Large, former assistant manager at Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. Don't know why we didn't want you know, you just some of the stuff that Wednesday have done. Now, no one, no one, no one will listen to Wednesday, obviously, on this podcast, but uh, he's he's good. I followed his career actually a bit in Benfica. Uh, I think he got sacked finishing second, probably a little bit unjust, but you know, there were a lot of speculation, wasn't there? Are they going to get relegated? I was thinking, no, by chance. Like, he's a, he's, a, he's a top manager, knows his stuff. Yeah. There's lots to learn from these managers coming in. I like the, the young managers that actually go abroad as well. Like, Graham Potter is kind of an inspiration to me the fact that he'd go away to Sweden and he'd learn his game differently. And that's kind of a path that I'd want to go down in terms of learning different ways of football from different um, countries as well. I think it'll be quite fascinating to to go through that as well. Um, but yeah, just before we finish the podcast, we've finished off with talking about um, the mentality of the modern footballer, uh, Champions League six aside, our Champions League predictions and the Premier League preview for the weekend as well, the quick fire results. I just wanted to give this time to both of you, Liam and to Sam, just to let the listeners know where they can find you and what's kind of going on in your near future as well. So Sam, you mentioned kickabout. Do you want to just tell our listeners a bit more about that and what that actually is? Yeah, we're uh, we're a developmental academy. So basically, what we do is we have what we think are very talented grassroots players uh, have the potential to perhaps move to a higher level of, of you know rather than playing your pub football, amateur football. Um, so what we do is we give them uh, also we give them the academy experience. So they have uh, analysis, uh, S and C. We have this kickabout football centre that has all these very nice high-tech machines that you may or may not have seen. I think Barcelona use them. So it's... Uh, Dortmund use them as well. Yeah, Dortmund as well. Um, so yeah, basically what, we, what we're doing is, is trying to move the players on. Uh, just established a partnership this week with uh, Bradford Park Avenue. Yep, uh, yep. Very good semi-pro club. So we're, we're really excited about that. But yeah, that's uh, that's kickabout. Uh, you can you can follow us, see what we're doing. I'm sure we'll be coming at some point over to the uh, the Manchester way as well. I just need to come and see what it's like in Leeds as well because it just looks so much fun. It looks like one of those, like, you know, you had those, like, ball pits as a kid and people were going, like, going the slides and stuff, but it looks like that in the football inspe- uh, yeah, spectrum no, as well. Exactly what I'm thinking. In London, they have a thing called, I think it's, like, Tocker or Soccer um, Social, and that's, like, 80 quid for, like, an hour. But with yours, the, with your actual development, with the things that you have as well, it looks a lot better to actually play your style of football than like playing games against a wall with a football. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the sort of reason behind it, um, from my conception, is what we do in the train. We do a lot of uh, tactical stuff. We don't really do any technical development. Obviously, you'd expect the players we're working with are going to be pretty proficient anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what the centre allows them to do is it, it kind of encourages a bit of that self-regulation. So we were talking about mentality earlier. Um, players can't always be light on the coach telling them what to do. They need to come in, do their own work, be that in the gym, be that you know trying to get better at, at passing the football, whatever. Uh, so that's what we try and encourage with the centre. The players come down themselves. They can use it, I think, three times a week. Uh, but you're right, yeah, uh, a lot of the stuff is to try and supplement perhaps kids not playing out on the park or on the street anymore. Um, so a lot of the machines kind of work on that. It's almost trying to supplement kids who aren't getting maybe how our free upbringings were, uh, you know, playing in the park with your mates. You don't really see that as much now, do you? That's another uh, uh, topic for mentality as well. Yeah. I think we missed, damn, we missed it. But no, yeah, that's another topic completely that we can talk about. The fact that kids these days don't go out to play football in the park until late at night just doesn't happen anymore in any area of the country, from what I can see. Unless you're at goals or power league, which is a lot safer, I would say. Absolutely. Brilliant. But no, thank you for going through that, Sam. That was great. And hopefully I'll get a free trial when I get to come to Leeds and play uh, some football and absolutely. attempt to play some football. So that could be the case as well. Um, Liam, do you have any closing messages for yourself? What's going on with you um, uh, that you'd like to share with the listener? Yeah, so I just left Chester. Uh, something else has popped up that will be announced soon. Mm. Another club. Um, open up my own goalkeeper academy on Monday with Begovic. That's my Begovic. Got that going. That's kicks Brilliant. off on Monday. Yeah. I think it's half term there, isn't it? That's why it's going to kick off. In Yeah, in- we do it every, every Monday at Nantwich Town Football Club. Um, yeah. Ages between like seven... And 16, just like, yeah, like Academy. Um, yeah. And we do it every Monday at the same place. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really took off. Really got a waiting list already, which is great. So that means we could probably get another night in somewhere. Uh, yeah. And like I said, until this new club is done, uh, just relaxing at the minute and just enjoying it. Like Sam said before, when he's done his Masters now, he's he's just chilling, got all that time in his hands. But, uh, I'm the same, yeah. It's, it's really good, though, that you put it in that perspective because it's just the fact that um, from when we've first spoken and from we when we all when I met with the both of you you were both working really hard you're really good in terms of like um good role models in a way for people following you in terms of like your goalkeeping career um as a coach or even just you set up your own academy as well so it, it kind of reaps the rewards that you're actually going to have a bit of time just to relax see what's going to happen in the future as well and really appreciate the time that you've actually put into the football development that you've done for both of you so from me anyway um Really well done to both of you. Nicely done. Nice one. Thing is with me and Sam is we, me and Sam came from Ilkley together. Sam got me in at Ilkley. And we did we put a lot of hours in. We travelled a lot away for nothing just mm. so we could get something from our personal development. And that's what I'd say to anyone that's listened to this that wanting coaching or scouting or anything in football, do a lot of hard work for nothing. It's just the way it is, I'm afraid. And it pays off. There's no, short, there's no shortcut unless you're yeah. one of the professional footballers that retired there's no shortcut for someone new coming into the industry um, yeah it's, it's, it's spot on I mean I know you've got a couple of coaches listening he's right you know we're saying off air I, I, you know, there are a lot of coaches that don't want to work for free hmm. they expect to be paid straight away you've got to go and do those hours and that's not just in coaching it's in you know whatever you're doing you've got to get that experience in but yeah I'm really pleased for my uh, my good pal Liam seeing his uh, reaping his rewards uh, but he deserves it you know we come at Ilkley we couldn't quite believe this level of keeper coach we had, but yet couldn't ever get him a keeper, could we? <laughs> Ridiculous when you look back. Uh, but we had some good times, didn't we, Liam? Yeah, I, I don't regret them times at all. I, I, the Sunday afternoons were brilliant. And I, I, like I said, I enjoyed the time at Ilkley. Like, won't go into the stuff, but like, I met Sam, met his dad, met his brother, met obviously a couple of the coaches that we worked with. They're brilliant. Like, we've made friends for life now. Yeah. And it's what it's about. We did enough, something for nothing and we've come out of something. If it's nothing, it's friendship. And and Sam's kicking on, I've kicked on, and it's worth doing. Anyone listening that wants to get into coaching scouting football and you haven't got a footprint in the game because you haven't been a pro, work so hard for nothing. It's just the way it is. And, and you will get paid, it will pay off in the end. I mean, it paid off in the end for, for Liam, for anyone listening, because he's working with Asmir Begovic, for goodness sake. <laughs> that was so a joke. Yeah, it's simple as that, though. It's just one of those things that when, when people notice the hard work, it, it must be, well, I know it's really rewarding, but it's one of those things that when like professional footballers are looking out and they're seeing it, it must be really rewarding in that aspect as well, which is really, really good. 
Um, but no, Liam, Sam, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for the conversation as always. It's always a pleasure to see and speak to you both as well. Um, everyone listening, just a little thanks from me. Um, so over the last week or so, we've hit 10,000 views on YouTube. So thank you everyone for watching and um, supporting us. That's been great. We've also hit 100 subscribers for the first time on YouTube, which is, again, really good. Thank you very much for that. And um, we've hit 60 different countries in terms of listening and watch time and everything. So I'm really happy and I'm really proud of the work that we put in. And I'm really happy that our uh, fan base are actually appreciating what we're putting out. So everyone, thank you very much for listening. Liam, Sam, thanks for your time again. Take care and goodbye. You're very welcome.